Welcome to episode three of the Football Shirt Pod, and today we're joined by Neil Hurd, author of the brilliant Connoisseur's Guide to Football Shirts and the man behind the Art of the Football Shirt exhibition. I dare you, if you love football, to watch a World Cup opening game and see the yellow and green come on that pitch. And if you don't get a frisch on going up your arm, then you ain't into football. So, firstly, um, where for you did the, the fascination with football shirts begin? You know what? It's a funny one, but I just think, I think like just everybody, you know what I mean? And I think the one thing that it's taught me from doing the book and all the exhibitions and all that kind of stuff is that most of us go back to the first shirt we kind of had when we were kids, you know, and and I think I definitely did that. And I don't know, you know, even to this day, even though I collect shirts and written a book about shirts, I don't kind of stupidly consider myself almost like as a nerdy collector <laughs> do, you, do you know what I mean I just think I, I, I kind of see it as just an interest I started honestly way back in the early 90s really like just picking up shirts and keeping them as in like not just buying my own team shirts type you know I'd find them in vintage fairs or I used to go around looking for vintage trainers and I'd buy the shirts then you know that kind of stuff so um I don't know if I've got off tangent, but yeah, I mean, I just always liked them, you know, and liked them from my youth. And I suppose, you know, I like the colour, I like the logo. They're very, very emotive, aren't they? Um, and would you say you're a football shirt romantic? Yeah, I think the word romantic would definitely, definitely be true for me um, with football shirts and, well, with most of the things I'm kind of interested in, in my life. And, you know, I, I get the nerdy side of football shirts. It's not like I'm not trying to say I'm not a nerd about it because, you know, if you kind of know about, brands and and years and sponsors and when the badge changed and all that I dig all that I'm not you know I, I, I'm i not anti-BC being seen as a kind of like a nerd in any way shape form but to almost like contradict myself at the same time what turns me off about the football shirt scene and the, and the one thing I absolutely set out almost to not destroy that would be the wrong term but to kind of like uh, break down and show there was another side to it with that book was was the nerdy side of it because I'm sure as you, you're aware that other football shirts books existed before mine and I'm not denigrating them I mean like you I probably got most of them and really enjoyed them especially John Devlin's books True Colours that kind of stuff you know which are kind of like a catalogue you could go go back to find each year they're a great resource tool and again I'm not that book's a superb burb, joke book and we all owe John a, a great debt but at the same time not so much that book, but the other books are kind of like, oh, I don't know, you know, let's let's say the worst kits of all time. And let's look how ugly, um, look at this shirt, which is made in the pattern of a ham. Look at this, you know, look at this shirt with the tuxedo on it. Um, let's go back to Admiral and look at the Coventry shirt. Wasn't that awful? I wanted to show the world and maybe share my passion that it wasn't all about that. It wasn't just some nerd central where it always been looked at in that way. You know, and, and that, that was my that was my raison d'etre really was like you know, that's why that book was you you know, pointedly I could have done so many obvious chapters, which I know lots of people who want to talk about football shirts would want to talk to me about, and I don't want to talk to them about those things because I find it boring 
absolutely boring. And 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 each to his you know it kind of each each to his own you know. And again, I'm not having a go at those people who like that. You know, those kind of books keep coming out, and if if that's the side which turns you on, then fine. But for me, I was trying to show that they're cool, you know. And 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 strangely enough, it kind of like was the advent of when football shirts kind of became seen as cool, you know. And and I'm being maybe being a bit modest or immodest, you know. I think I played a big part in that, and you know, and I'm happy that it's done that, and people like yourselves have picked up that or not pick that up you know come along with that and you know I think we're sort of showing showing that football shirts wasn't just about being oh you know I've got Harry Potter glasses on and I know the fabric of a 1970s shirt you know what I mean so so yeah I was going to ask you about um you know the fact that football shirts are in vogue and how you sort of feel about that because I like I just I, I sort of have two views on it really firstly I like it because it's something I'm passionate about um and to see that being considered kind of popular and um is a nice thing but i also sort of feel a bit protective i guess you know people who perhaps are sort of coming to football shirts more recently you know i kind of i don't know i feel a bit slightly judgmental i suppose and i wondered how you sort of felt about that yeah that's a good point i mean i think i think all of us are a bit like that and you know you suddenly got this thing they go oh my god this is huge now this thing i sort of like loved and i was maybe alone and it was almost like a, a nod and a wink on the train that you'd nod to each other because you were so rare that you know you had an old shirt on type thing you know that that's that's suddenly changed to be like some huge behemoth and funny enough it made me laugh on I think it was Instagram yesterday I saw some guys and he said I've been collecting for eight years now it really makes me laugh when I see all these Johnny come lately's and I just thought Jesus Christ mate you've been collecting <laughs> you've been collecting for eight years and, and you're having a go at the other ones you know and it's like and and you know there's people who's you know there's people who've been collecting for before me you know and so yeah I suppose he was only voicing kind of like what you're saying and I do feel the same I'm I'm not I'm like you I think there's two sides to it I'm really pleased it's kind of grown and grown and has got more exposure and actually has become much more acceptable and celebrated so I think mostly even though there's little niggles to it it's still a, a positive thing you know that that the scene's got bigger and bigger you know, there's certain angles to it which which annoy me and certain, you know, it pisses me off when sort of people try to point score or, or, or pick up on things that you mentioned like three years ago or 10 years ago even, you know, you know, sort of stuff which unless I think something's really, really unknown, I don't bother mentioning it because I take it for granted that you know all the other stuff. Do you know what I mean? So when you see it, when you see other people sort of like picking up stuff you posted maybe four or five years ago and never said anything since and then post it and telling you about it like you didn't know, that's that's annoying. But, you know, maybe I maybe I need to get a life and not let it bother me. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You, you talked a bit about the book, um, uh, a copy of which I own, um, and it's it's fantastic and yours is so thorough and I just wondered you know how how long you've been thinking about it for and how long it sort of take, took to to kind of come to fruition well I think I said in the book itself it was kind of like 20 30 years in the making and it had been rolling around in the back of my head for literally that long you know I'd written the book on trainers in 2003 and I'd had the book on football shirts in my head before that you know, I just happened to get the trainer's book out first. Luckily, I got in contact with a, a graphics guy down the road from me in Cardiff who was brilliant, you know, got on really well with him, but also A, affordable, B, B, knowledgeable about the layout and all that kind of stuff. And that made it doable, a guy called Scott Lewis. So hello, Scott. Um, and and so, and that was it. I mean, that was it. I used to go down to see him on a Tuesday and I'd sit there and I'd just, 
I would that book just spilled out of me. You know, it was it was unbelievable. Yeah. It was, was it just cathartic. Yeah, I suppose it was. I mean, it was just yeah. I mean, you know, people have said to me, "Oh, God, I didn't know you were a writer. How did you get into writing and all that kind of stuff?" And I don't consider myself a writer. I just happened to write a, two books on two things I loved. You know, two things that I knew really well, two books I knew inside out, two books I really, really wanted to talk about, you know. So it just flew out of me. If you said to me, you know, go and write another book on, um, you know, whatever, just looking out my window, a Hereford cattle, you know, I, I'd struggle, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'd struggle big time. buy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure, Josh, I'm not being funny, it'd be a bit like you. If I said to you, go upstairs now, you've got six months, start writing that book, I bet you'd be halfway through it before you knew it. You know, you'd have this, you'd have certain things that you really dig, you know, you'd have whatever, you know, you'd, you'd have that take because you love it. So it's semi-easy to talk about it then. And it, but like I said, for me, it was like, look, what turns me on more about all, you know, compared to all these old football shirts? Why don't we talk about how football shirts link the music, you know? And, then, and it was rare then, you know. Yeah. Now, now, you know, if I did another book now and I'm in the stages of actually writing volume two, but... You know, and you did a music chapter. That chapter from being like something really odd and just managing to find seven shirts or something would now explode, and you'd have thirty. Do you know what I mean? And, and so yeah. the the world, the world in football shirts world has changed and grown exponentially since that book came out. I think it was two thousand sixteen. The book came out, so you know, it'd be a lot easier in a way to write it. You know, well, you get a lot more content quickly. But again, lots of it was like subjective isn't it you know some people would have said to me why haven't you got that shirt in it why haven't you got that shirt in in it and I just tried to I tried to push it into chapters as much as I could you know it wasn't just saying yeah. oh I, I love all these shirts like the Sonetti N shirt or the France 84 shirt they're they're all my favorite favorite era shirts I love them but it was more about that that was the only thing which changed from writing it was as I started to write it and put it together, I, I realised that you could have other chapters. So some shirts where I'd envisage them being in section A, for instance, suddenly became another chapter somewhere else. You know, yeah. And, and that yeah. that was the only that was the only kind of like fluid thing about about it in a way, and and that was nice. That was just enjoyable to let it sort of take its own course. You know, it's it's interesting. You've written books around about trainers and football shirts because. Um... I think there's there's probably a lot of people people who'll be listening to this as well who will have have those two same passions. Um, I'm I'm absolutely one of those people. I just wondered what it was about those two things that you think sort of links the two. I think in a in a sort of like general way. I mean, for me, I was like um, an '80s casual, you know, and so we were sort of massively into our trainers more so than I was kind of into football shirts. So, you know, your your trainers were kind of like something you did for fashion and, and, and the football shirts were something you did as a passion because you just love football so much. And I think they cross over in that way, but almost they're not in the same remit, if you know what I mean. But then in that gen, they definitely appeal to that kind of collector as in they come in lots of colours, lots of brands, lots of distinguishing features, and there's something which you can collect about them. You know, because say, for instance, the Adidas Gazelle came out in 10 colourways, you know, a collector, and, and it's usually men, let's face it, 
thinks, oh, right, I've, I've got the green, I've got the yellow, I've got the pink, I better get the blue, I better, you know, <laughs> I better get the brown. Yeah. And, and that's the collector's mentality for you, isn't it? I could collect, I always say I could collect anything. I could collect matchboxes, no problem. Because as soon as I got in, into them, I'd be like, oh, well, I've got the Brighton me, I've got the, you know, England, <laughs> England's glory. Well, where's this Scottish one? You know, I could do, I could, I could collect anything. You mentioned it just a moment or two ago about your sort of favourite era. You're saying kind of French shirts of the eighties. Is is that is that right? Because they, I mean, they're incredible, incredible shirts with the huge sponsors and the very vibrant colours. Is that is that for you the the kind of the peak of, of football shirts? Yeah, I think probably it wouldn't be the oversized sponsors, even though I do love the Super Telly and all that of Sanetien. It's more that kind of era of the France '84. You know that shirt, big big. Basically like kind of thin pinstripes, but hoops. So Wales, 84, same era, that one. That is that is my, basically, if you looked at shirts and I, and I took everything else out around it, you know, the sponsor, the badge, any sort of romance, that is aesthetically my favourite era of football shirts, without a doubt. And I love the 60s at the same time, and I'd really come to appreciate the 90s. I must admit, I didn't like the, lots of the 90s. You know, like the shirts, which are really cool and hot right now, I I think I, I thought were really ugly. And to be honest with you, I haven't really changed my tune on them, really, except for I kind of get it a bit more now. You know, time sort that's of That's interesting. Yeah, and it just wasn't my thing. But I think that's the one thing I've learned massively from talking to people. It'd be the years they come from. So if you're talking to guys in their 50s and 60s, they go on about really plain old shirts from the 60s and then maybe Admiral. You know, if you go a bit older to my era and they go on about the 80s and say that was the best. And then the youngsters, or I call youngsters, but, you know, like 30s on, you know, they're all a bit be about the 90s. And I, the one thing I cannot get my head around when I see people on the Internet with all their, like, collections is all those people collecting shirts from zero zero to, like, say, two years ago. You know, because I just think they are crap. Shirts were crap. I saw an interview that you gave, I think a couple of years ago, where you were sort of talking about, I think it was just pre-2018 World Cup, and you were saying that the sort of dec- the best part of the two decades previous, shirts have been sort of, you know, pretty beige and unremarkable. Mm. And now suddenly des- the designers were starting to kind of find their uh, kind of, I don't know, courage almost again. Yeah, I think that was a massive thing. I don't think it's very often that you see massive big brands being behind the curve and football shirts, all the brands, every single one of them was like two years behind the curve. You know, I mean, insanely behind the curve. Whereas I think all of us football fans out there, you know, I remember Tottenham got the Nike, you know, Nike uh, manufacturer deal type thing. And normally when you'd be saying, oh my God, Nike are going to make our shirts or our boots or something, most people would be like, oh, brilliant, that's a proper brand making our stuff. And every Spurs fan I knew were like, oh shit, well, they're going to do a really plain white shirt with a blue collar. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And I think that's exactly where it was at. And and for me, I, I, you know, that book didn't have, you know, people say to me, oh yeah, you love the retro shirts. And I was like, no, I don't just love the retro shirts. If a good shirt came out now, I'd put it in there straight away. And like, if I made the book now, now as I was saying to you earlier, if I made the book now, I would have flipping it last this year, this season. There were some superb kits again, you know, superb yeah, kits. Yeah. But it's only because they finally upped their game and stopped giving us plain white or plain blue or whatever, you know. So yeah, you know, yeah, it's 
yeah, the 80s is my favourite time, but I'm not just stick, stuck in it. I love lots of the 70s, I love the 60s. I, I, I like a lot of the 90s, but 00 to, I say, 2015, apart from France away, Breton Stripe, I can't name a shirt I bloody liked. That's a gorgeous shirt, isn't it? You're talking about your favourite era being the 80s, and I would say the 90s. Is that why we love vintage football shirts so much, do you think? Is it is it just that kind of plugging into some nostalgia and, and the kind of players that you loved when you were growing up and the teams that you loved and... And and just that kind of the, the way it can transport you back to a point in your usually your childhood, your teens, that um, where you were just so completely in love with football. Yeah, I think massively that's at the heart of it. But I do think at the same time, if you like shirts like from across all the areas, like I'm sure you did, like from last or this season, or if you just want to pick like the Nigeria shirt for the World Cup, you know, out of the out of the air, you know, when they suddenly started to make a a cracking kit again type thing then you'd love it now and, and you're not doing that out of nostalgia you know because it's really current you know the Monaco kit this year the Barca kit you know the Inter Milan jerseys I think they they are things of beauty I absolutely adore them and that's nothing to do with nostalgia is it? you know it's nothing to do with anybody wearing it or nothing so yeah when you're going back you know to the real sort of early ones where you are basically going back to your youth not only like the first shirt you had but like you said you've got that innocence of youth and the players are you know everything about it is kind of romantic and special to you yeah they're going to be the big ones which hold the best place in your heart but I don't think well personally for me like I said it's, it's certainly not just about that you know, uh, I like them for, but I like them. For, I think I'm lucky. I like them for all the reasons. I love them aesthetically, and then I love something like the sponsor, and then I love something like the badge. You know, I love all kind of different angles to it, and that's what my collection's like. You know, I've got like a big selection of, you know, sponsors like from clothing brands. I've got a big collection of. Well, you probably know because I bore people with Coca-Cola shirts. You know, and it's just whatever t- turns me on. You know, whatever I like type thing. What what is it to you that makes a shirt iconic? I don't use, like to use the word iconic, but what is it that makes a shirt iconic or, or elevates it to that kind of very special state kind of status? Is it is it just the design or is it perhaps is it, if it's linked or it has a you know memory that that's tied into it? What what is it for you that kind of lifts it to that extra level? I'd say it's a bit that all of those things play a factor. So basically, you know, like I did the chapter in the book where I thought, right, if I sat down in the pub now. And I could be a guy sat with you, say, and then we met a Glaswegian and then a guy from Paris came in the bar and sat with us. And then, you know, somebody came in from Buenos Aires and sat with us and we said, oh, let's name the top 10 football shirts of all time. And I always had the theory that even though we were spread all across the globe and even though we could have been disparate ages, I could bet you we'd probably save five of the same jerseys. <laughs> you know what I mean and 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 that's what yeah. I always that's what I really liked about it and I thought right this iconic section can't be anything to do with what I about me it's the shirts that I know resonated around the globe and across the ages and to get in that chapter like you said I mean let's go to Brazil 70 which I'm sure every single one of us would say you know why is that iconic is it a beautiful looking shirt well in its simplicity it is but it's yellow with a green collar why do we love it I mean, who doesn't get a shivery excitement when you see Brazil come out on the pitch? You know, I dare you, if you love football, to watch a World Cup opening game and see the yellow and green come on that pitch. And if you don't get a frisson going up your arm, then you ain't into football. 
you know what I mean? And and so for me, it's, it's things like that. And then so obviously, I mean, for me, the best team of all time in a way, you know, except for Barcelona recently, say um, that World Cup in 70. So, you know, with Pele. So for me, that becomes iconic, A, because, you know, of all those things, connotations around it and because of like 1970 World Cup. And then other ones, I think maybe like Denmark's, you know, pinstripe Hummel mid-80s shirt comes to mind because it was just so superb a design, you know, and yeah, and and, yeah. and again, so it gets in there for that. I mean, again, if you started to talk about football shirts, it wouldn't be long be in the conversation before that came up. Do you know what I mean? And 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 so they're for different things. And then Maradona's Mars or Butoni shirts would come in again. I mean, not being funny, if you didn't see Maradona wear that jersey, why would you be mad about that shirt? You wouldn't be. But because it's got, you can see Maradona running along with it and like lifting a Scudetto and, you know, everything we know about Maradona with it becomes like this thing ingrained and it becomes iconic for that reason. So I think it can be all all of the reasons, you know, all of the reasons you sort of touched on. I think the really magical ones are the ones which maybe do across that board. So they're iconic because of, say, Maradona wore it, but it was a brilliant design at the same time, you know. And I suppose there's, there's some as well, aren't there, that... Um... That you know that, that were sort of maligned at the time, or certainly weren't appreciated. I'm thinking probably Holland '88 is one where the, I think the players hated it. Um, even the Breeze Banana, which is you know incredibly popular now and sought after. At the time, I can remember when it was released, and people were were taking the piss out of it. Uh, oh. I mean, hence the name, the Breeze Banana name. So, <laughs> is it is it how did those shirts then go on to become so popular? You know what? It's a good point, that one. And I think, I still think, like I said to you at the beginning, I mean, I still think the Bruce Banana is an awful looking shirt. Yeah. Right. Now, I'm, it's each to his own. Be- beauty's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? But really, you know, that's, I don't know. I think it's, I think that's what caught the traditional football shirt collector by surprise. Because it's always been in that stuffy thing. I mean, if I'm sure, I'm sure I've referenced it before, and apologies to the author of the person who's done it, but the the worst kits of all time book you know that that book now if you actually published it sh- to the people who love football shirts would say that's the best football shirts of all time yeah yeah, yeah. you know so it, it, it it's very subjective isn't it so he was laying into all those shirts we just touched on which you know 10 years later became the cool shirts but um anyway i forgot what your question was so i'm sorry if i went off tangent <laughs> tangent but no 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 not at all. it's interesting actually because i was talking to someone else about this the other day and we were talking about um he he asked me a question which was what are your what if you had to pick your three worst shirts what would they be and i said that's mm. a, a question i can't really answer because often the most kind of weirdest and controversial or the shirts that you know that feel books like the one you just described Actually, I appreciate because they're different, and you know the Coventry City brown shirt, a brown football shirt is is a terrible idea. But that shirt, I appreciate it because it was so different and it's so memorable. And actually, mm. for me, the, the 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 shirts I dislike the most, again, we, what we talked about previously were the, the particularly the sort of Nike shirts from the kind of twenty eleven, twenty twelve onwards. You know, the same template used for every club, just different colours. To me, they're the worst shirts because they're just completely forgettable. Um, mm. But the, those the, the the shirts that, are, that perhaps were slightly derided at the time, you know, they're just they're different, aren't they? They're unique, and you you remember them, and they they've got a kind of a connotation attached to them. Yeah, no, with that, and I think you're right. It's a good point because if you think, like, if we were talking about shirts from like the noughties on, sort of thing, to reference them, you'd have to talk about the sponsor or something or or the game, because. 
you couldn't you couldn't kind of say, oh, remember the shirt, uh, two thousand and seven, Man United, you know, off the top of my head, and you go, well, not really. It was probably a really shite shirt with Vodafone on it, you know, and and un- until you can make put something to it, and you know, those shirts were so nondescript that it's hard to sort of talk about the shirts. You have to name you have to name them by sponsor. Whereas, like you said, if you said, look, you know, even if you liked her or not, the bruised banana, you flipping remember it. do you think it's do you think it's harder for manufacturers now as well and they need to work even harder for brands because you know clubs wear shirts for one season now when you look back at the kits of the 80s perhaps clubs might have been wearing them for three years that's three years worth of memories that are attached to that particular football shirt now clubs are wearing them for one season so do you think in 10 years Mm. time we perhaps won't look back with the same fondness at football shirts or do you, or do, or is it is the onus now on the brands to kind of come up with those designs which are really really memorable it's a really good point and i think you're right it, it would be harder to sort of indelibly mark it into your psyche wouldn't it you know because you've got a less you know length of time i mean i think germany 88 90s are a brilliant example of that you know everybody calls it the, the germany 90 when it was debuted in 88 as you know i'm sure you know and so you know if you'd if it'd gone out in 88 and finished would we still go on about it but when they won war at the world cup glory two years later everybody remembers it so it might have been binned and sort of forgotten a bit more couldn't it in that time but yeah i do think it's a bit of both i mean obviously the more time people are wearing it the more time they've got to be in sort of like amazing games and all that kind of stuff but like i said earlier for me i mean let's say when Liverpool won that game against Inter Milan, the European Cup with Rafa Benitez, you know, the, some people say like the best European Cup of final of all time because they came back from 3-0 down, whatever. You know, I can't name the shirt. I can't even think of the bloody shirt in my mind. You know, and that, and that's like, you know, one of the biggest games in the world where if it was anything to that shirt, you'd be, you know, we'd know it so much because everybody remembers that game. And so I do, I do think that the brands and the clubs, quite frankly, because the clubs sort of hold back the brands from what they allow them to do from working in the industry a bit now, I'm learning that more and more. And so, you know, but really, yeah, as we both touched on before, I just think they just got so lazy. It's, for me, it's like now you don't have to do something crazy. We don't all have to do Nigeria, you know, shirts every season, which I think some teams are being a bit, you know, and even the brands are being a bit try hard. It's like, let's go crazy, crazy, crazy. I, don't think it should go that way either but again it's not hard to bring hoops in it's not hard to bring like a sash in it's not hard to put a double band going down it's not hard to change the color of the of the sleeves do you know what I mean just give us something you know don't like you said don't just give us a plain white template or whatever you know and that's what they did that's what they did for 15 years that's really interesting you were saying that the clubs will sometimes push back on the uh, to the brands to say that the, what the brands are being too kind of over the top too oh yeah too much. big time yeah i mean i've been working with quite a few of the brands nowadays i'm i'm work i've just been made creative director of a football shirts brand which i haven't said oh, wow. to the world yet yet so yeah which is really exciting but from working with them I and with the guys who've been designing for those brands you know for years you know they in their defense he's like you know look i've offered them this you know any of these clubs they work when they work with big clubs you know, but they wouldn't want that. They just said, no, no way. We want it red. Make sure it's red. Don't do nothing to it. You know, so they push back and don't join the, you know, join in. I think when Nike struck gold with Nigeria was because, and I'm sorry to keep referencing that, but kind of like that's the big obvious one of league, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah, whether definitely. You met a nation or a club or an association who were as keen to be different as as the brand were. 
you know, and I think you need that, you know, so you do need to have the two together. So it does depend on the team. But I think what you've kind of got to suggest to the teams and maybe the poorer ones and smaller ones are getting it more than the big ones because they need every extra bit of revenue you can get. And if you can go to them and say, look, you know, this shirt, if you do it like this, you won't just be selling it to your fans. You might reach around the world and get a much bigger reach, you know, as we've seen with quite a few smaller teams nowadays. And so I think you'll see them being braver than the big ones, you know, because they don't need that. They don't need to be as inventive so much. But everybody's kind of getting it now, you know, um, that football shirt design is really important. I think the big clubs, as you can see from the time they, you know, they're using a different shirt to warm up into a different shirt they're going to wear on, you know, PlayStation, FIFA, you know, they're getting it. They know there's money there. I wanted to know, um, you know, there's, there's certain shirts that have stories that are kind of associated with them. I'm thinking, you know, the Fiorentina swastika shirt, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wondered if there were any of those, any of those kind of stories, or which of those those unusual stories um, associated with shirts that were the sort of favourites of yours, or or things that perhaps you learnt when you were compiling the book. I think the thing I've learnt quite a lot is. Um... Lots of the most iconic kits of all time would be designed by women. And, okay. And specifically by women who had nothing to do with football and knew nothing about football. Oh, and that's for really interesting. Me, and I think for me that is a great case in point. You know, I I like to think of myself as a, as a designer, and I always remember David Bowie used to say that he never ever listened to the radio because he never wanted to sound like anybody else. He didn't want to. He didn't want you to be able to pinpoint his sound. You know, he didn't want to say, "Oh, that's from the eighties. He didn't want that. And I kind of agree with that sort of mantra for design. And so for the eighty eight ninety Germany shirt. I'm sure you probably know there was a, a woman who designed that called Ina Franzmann. And, yeah. and she, Horst Dassler, who I was kind of writing a book about because I've kind of become, not obsessed with him, but I just find the whole story of that really interesting. It was Adi Dassler's son for Adidas, obviously. He specifically, because he was such a sort of visionary, went in and said, oh, our, our shirts are just too bland. We've got to sort of, you know, we've got to rip it up. And so he, he asked people to sort of... Um, within the building to sort of submit ideas. And Ina Fransman had only just been taken on from um, a fashion background, you know? She was kind of like art schooly fashion background, a tailor, I think. And so she knew nothing about football shirts. She knew nothing about the culture and the history. And so came up with that design. And she was amazed then when Horst Dassler came along and said, oh, look, I want you to do the Germany shirt. <laughs> you know, and he chose her specifically because of that, because he could see that she was not using the normal template. She hadn't been kind of like brainwashed, for want of a better term, you know. And and if you go back to the Admiral days... I'm sure you watched the Get Shirty show, you know. I, di- I didn't know until I saw that programme, but it was that woman called Somebody Jelly, was it? I can't remember if I... Yeah, you... no, I can't, yeah. But name who you mean, yeah. You know what I mean? So apologies to the lady for getting her name wrong now. You know, but that, for me, was exactly the same. She said, I didn't even know what a football was. You know, she she was she she was from art school. And so she came up with all those, like, amazing tram lines for the Wales shirt I love and the Coventry shirt and all that stuff we're going on about. You know, she yeah. came up with that because she knew nothing about football and didn't go to the rule book. Uh, and also the bruised banana, I think, I found out was designed by a woman as well. 
uh, another woman, not 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 Ina Fransman. So I think you know, apart from it just being women, it was more you know people who weren't sort of um, you know died in the wall and sort of like you know stuck in their ways, which were going to kind of like change things up. So I like that. I like those 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 kind of stories. <laughs> We've sort of seen the reemergence of brands like Umbro and Hummel recently that um, that were obviously popular in particularly eighties and nineties. There are any any other of those brands that you'd like to see make a comeback or perhaps that you know that maybe they are making a comeback i'm thinking perhaps feeler for example yeah feeler's an odd one because i mean i've been an old 80s casual i love feeler but the only sort of great football shirt i can think of from that time was um you know the fiorentina nintendo isn't it you know apart yeah. from that I, I think they did west ham's kits for a while didn't they, they were shit they did yeah um <laughs> yeah you know so i don't think they've got an amazing back catalogue when it comes to shirts somehow they did an amazing job with the swastika but i mean personally i was always mad on two brands um Aneri, so NR was was like one of my loves again, purely because of that kind of like that early nineties Syria football Italia all the stuff that all of us sort of loved and fell in love with and Maradona and the late eighties and that kind of stuff, um, and I just loved it. I loved the way that you know what was NR you didn't see it, it disappeared now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then with the Brazilian team, so Topper, I was always obsessed with Topper. I always loved um, penalty. You know all that kind yeah. of stuff, you know, and cause, because again, because it was so exotic, it was so different to me, and that's what I loved. I didn't want, you know, I've got hardly any when it's comparatively British shirts in my collection here because they were just too familiar to me. It just didn't have that romance. It didn't look different. I got the best ones I wanted, type thing, but it just wasn't that thing to me. But uh, so NR was like the top of my list, and I know they're coming back to market. They're definitely right, coming back. Right. And then Maybar, you know, who made Barcelona's kit. Yeah, um, they're coming. They're coming back to market. And Maybar's an extraordinary story, isn't it? These two guys create a band, a brand, and then suddenly they're making mm. Barcelona's kit until what, like ninety two or something? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and for ten years as well. But that's yeah. that's what I'm now creative director for Maybar. So oh, wow. wow! Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're the first oh, to know. So there you there you go. I've announced it to the world. That's um, fantastic. Yeah, so I'm really, really excited because, as I, I said, you know, it was like that kind of obscure, you know, more niche brand is what I really dug all along. And so I'm really, really excited to be a part of it. So they're letting me kind of like do the whole deal. That's amazing. That's great. I totally get what you mean about that kind of exotic feel. You know, I think because, you know, when you're a kid, well, when you, if you're a kid in the 80s or 90s, football was almost rationed, wasn't it, in terms of what you could see on TV, obviously no internet. So you get kind of snippets of, of um, you know, continental football and it always mm. felt like 10 times more exciting than British football. Mm. Um, and then there were, the, and as you say, the brands that you'd you'd never heard of before just were just completely elevated by the fact they were worn by, you know, clubs as, as kind of cool and, and, and kind of superstar field as Real Madrid and Barcelona and, and, and in uh, South America as well. It just felt so different, didn't it? It did, and it's impossible almost, isn't it, to explain to a youngster, <laughs> you yeah, know, any, yeah. any anybody sort of, uh, I don't know, even under 20, I guess, but something like my son who's 14, he just couldn't comprehend what it was like, could he, you know? I mean, I remember I remember seeing Liverpool play Penarol in the, in the World Club Cup, you know, they used to play, and I was like, I flip knows what year that was, maybe 84, 83, maybe even earlier, I can't remember, but, you know, I remember watching that game. They had it on telly somehow. It wasn't a game you hardly ever saw. And it was like, Peneroll? 
who the hell are Penarol? They're from Uruguay. <laughs> you know, they had a ye- yellow and yeah. black striped shirt. And, you know, it's, in- it's amazing the mark that made now. And to even know the name Penarol and never mind their kit for a long time, you have to really, really know your football now because of uh, PlayStation. My boy would probably name it. You know what I mean? So they don't, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. They, they, don't, they don't get the sort of thing that we got when you didn't have it much, you know, but the interesting, I think, I think is it really interesting about that? And I'm sure you've come across it yourselves because you deal all over the world. The thing I thought was brilliant when I started talking to the Brazilians, because the Brazilians clocked on quite quickly that I loved their shirts. So they were all over me, you know, the second biggest yeah. place when I sold the book the first time I self-published it. I think that was my second biggest market. You know, they just loved really? the, f- the fact that this British guy loved their shirts, you know. But anyway, I got talking to loads of them and loads of them became friends and they sent me jerseys. It, it was lovely. It was the nicest thing about the book, to be honest. It was meeting these lovely people. But I'd talk to them and say, oh, penalty and, you know, topper and all that kind of stuff. And they'd go... Oh yeah, but we love Umbro. Umbro is so British, uh, you know. So that romance works both ways, doesn't it? You know. Yeah. And, and yeah. I know it sounds. I know it sounds obvious to say, but it was only when I did that that I realised. You know, I was like romanticising on. You know, people like you and me were romanticising Finta and Topper because we didn't know it all. Or you know, you didn't yeah. know what it was. Yeah. Where they yeah. did. They did exactly the same back about our brands. So I think. Yeah. It's, it's quite universal that thing. Yeah, definitely. I, I still think back to the 94 World Cup with Brazil winning it, with that, that team of incredible team, you know, after having wait, to wait so long to win their, what was it, their fourth World Cup or their third, I've forgotten. But um, but the, the wearing Umbro, mm. it just felt really, it was bizarre, wasn't it? Like the most British brand, yeah. you know, we were just completely familiar with it. It was the, the sort of dominant brand in the Premier League. Yeah. And there's Brazil wearing a, a, a kit made by Umbro. It always felt really bizarre yeah yeah you know what of all things i do feel sorry for the umbro and also for you know in a, in a british way you know because they were so ahead of the game apart from butter they were the like the main men really in football shirts team in terms you know for a long 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 time and you know basically nike just stiffed them you know bought them yeah took, took the england contract off them and sold them to the winds and it's it's such a shame i got a soft spot for umbro you know less because Less because it's like you said, you know, we were discussing earlier, you know, I think of them, I'm, I'm familiar with them. I know they're from Manchester, you know, and they did lots of British clubs. But, you know, they played such a huge part. When you actually look back in the beginning, they played a massive part, you know, and were so well respected all around the world. Just just quickly to, to finish to finish off, Neil, um, just a couple of quick fire questions. So your first ever football shirt? I think it was one of two. Well, I, I'll tell you, it was actually Scotland 78. Scotland 78 that's yeah. random <laughs> yeah I know because I was a childhood Liverpool supporter and okay. um, they got well I think I had them the same year I had the Wales tram line one um, of the same year or maybe that was 77 so I get mixed up but the one I kind of really really remember getting it in its box and coming in that see-through plastic Umbro box at the time was the Scotland 78 because I loved Kenny Dalgleish then and then um, Scotland qualified for the 78 World Cup I'm that old <laughs> um, and so I just I just remember that shirt um, so much. If anything, transport sports been back in time, it'd, it'd be that shirt and getting that for Christmas. Especially they had they had red shorts with the you know with the white such uh, red socks with the white shorts and blue top, and had a little umbral diamond going around it. And I remember that I, for whatever reason, I can just see those socks now in my mind. The shirt you uh, had to work hardest to get hold of. Oh man. 
Um, you know what? I don't know. I mean, there's still shirts I need to get and I haven't got, so maybe it's those, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I yeah. honestly wouldn't know on that one, Josh. I don't know. Okay. No, no worries. Uh, your favourite sponsor? Ooh, another cracker. I mean, I think I'd have to go with an, either either Coca-Cola, obviously, because I own half the world's shirts of those, or the Nintendo. <laughs> You know, Fiorentina Nintendo. I mean, that's the best aesthetic-looking shirt of all time. And the one shirt, if you want a nightmare, which recurs to me throughout my adult life, is letting you boys sell that beautiful one which had uh, Mario on the front of it. Uh, I still look, I still look but back now and think, what the hell was I doing? You know, <laughs> letting that get out of my hands. And um, Yeah, well, well, we're, we're the same, really, because... We sort of look back on that one and think we should have kept it. Yeah, I bet Which, you do. We're, man. We're, doing, bet we're doing, doing increase. We're doing that increasingly now. We're thinking that we've got to keep this for the collection. We can't. Yeah. We can't sell it. Uh, you know what? I think that's an amazing case in point because we were saying earlier about oh, the world's changed so quickly. Because now, I mean, when did you sell that shirt? Maybe a year, two years ago, was it? To follow, yeah, follow it must have been. Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah, there is in in the space of two years. There is you couldn't cut your right arm off to sell you that shirt. Now I bet with you. No, no. Yeah, no, you, you no, know exactly. what I mean. So it shows, <laughs> it shows, like you said. But I think we'll all end up not selling shirts that we would have once sold. You know, there's so many I've got rid of over the years that it's unbelievable. I think now, I mean, if I'd known that Holland '88 was going to be worth that, I could cry at night. I had so many of them <laughs> in my hands. I only managed really? to keep one. Yeah, just yeah. Used, oh, wow. It was common. It was semi common or garden until two, three years ago. You know, you just find when that was it. So anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nintendo. okay uh, and and your f- the it's a horrible question but what is your number one your favorite shirt if you had to if you could only keep one of your uh of your extensive collection which would it be um oh jesus 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 that's a horrible I, question I yeah know. I, I don't know you know i mean i the easy one and it probably is probably the wrong answer but the shirt that i could always go back to and think it looks amazing and i suppose wear it as a fashion item as well with nothing to do with football shirts I think it's so kind of perf- perfect is Sampdoria's 91 ERG oh unbelievable shirt <laughs> quite you know not, that's not a- amazing not amazingly rare, rare you know what I mean just I just think just just perfection just a yeah. beautiful, beautiful shirt yeah some colours are just are just just worked out there and and the the, 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 the way the stripes work and and the sponsor as well, which yeah, I think we we did a, we did write a blog post on it the other day. It's top ten sponsors ever, and ERG was up there, and we had to look at what it was, and it wasn't it the owner of the club or something something like that. It was his yeah. initials. Yeah, sort of I th- I think when they an energy company, I think they were an energy company. When they, but anyway, but like you said, that's uh, yeah. another great point in it where you see these sponsors and don't even know what they wear or what they yeah. do. You know, that's, yeah, that's part of the story. But like you said, aesthetically. Just aesthetically, you know, a couple of seasons later, maybe they changed sponsor, but the ERG and the tilt, the italicized tilt, just, yeah. just everything about it works. I just think it's stunning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great choice. So uh, you already talked about Maybell, which is which is really exciting, and, and you you talking about uh, the second edition of of the book as well. Yeah. So I mean, basically, it's been brewing away almost since I finished the first one, actually. But I didn't want to yeah. milk it. I wanted the first one to sort of go out there and settle and be popular and respected first before thinking, oh, the last thing in the world I wanted to do was just like milk the idea and go, oh, here's volume two, here's volume three. I'd, I'd probably do another volume and then not do another. 
It's not something I yeah. want to do just to sort of like keep milking it. It'd be like yeah, yeah. kind of like the ones I missed, and then how the scenes changed in the meantime. It kind of be it kind of it kind of yeah. If anything was cathartic, it's probably my second book. You know, yeah, yeah. the things I should have said, things I've missed, and this is how this is the other stuff I found out in the interim type thing. Yeah, and I, and, I, and... I, mean, I would love to be honoured enough to maybe visit you guys as part of the story. Oh, definitely. That'd be great. I would love, absolutely love to have you. And and obviously the 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 fantastic exhibition from what was that twenty eighteen or was it earlier than that? I've forgotten now. I think it was even earlier than that. There's been so many copycat ones since, and that dig dig. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that I forget. So yeah, it was a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. Any any more plans for another exhibition? Uh, yeah, I did have one planned in Amsterdam actually until the COVID started. I can't say too much about it, but that was going to be yeah. somebody really cool in Amsterdam. And yeah, nice. I, I certainly would turn, you know, tour it, but you know, I, I'd just like to do it around things like the World Cup or the European Championships, for instance, you know. So I'm often in contact yeah. and talking to people, but again, I just don't want to do it for boredom's sake. I want it to be really special, you know. Neil, thanks so much for chatting to us. That was fascinating, really, really interesting, and I really, really appreciate your time. And really look forward to uh, to seeing what comes next from Maber. Yeah, no, I think you're gonna, I think you're gonna like it. I think you're gonna like it. <laughs> sure you will.